Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Hello, everyone, and welcome today to the Preserving Families podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us. You know, our podcast is built on that statement that President Spencer W. Kimball made years ago that the time would come when only those who believe deeply and actively in their families would be able to preserve their families in the midst of the gathering evil around us. We're all about preserving the family. Now, to preserve is to maintain something in its original or existing state. We've talked about this before, to protect something, to take care of it, to look after it, to safeguard it, to keep it. It's the opposite of damaging something or neglecting it. And one way that we believe today that you can help preserve and strengthen and protect your family is to create a strong work ethic, to create a strong culture of work, and to teach your children the value of work and how important work is, especially especially in a day and age where work doesn't seem to be real popular anymore. Not that it ever was, but it just doesn't seem to be as strong as a value as it once was, especially among our youth, among our children. It's just something that we really need to bring back and restore. Yeah, this is one of those topics that as parents, we felt very passionate about, even before we had children, I think. I think we talked a lot about this. And so today we're going to talk about the whys of work, the doctrines and the prophetic teachings behind work. And then our next podcast will be the hows of work. (laughs) So, and how to teach our children. You know, looking back, I realized that it's been 25, 30 years of our past life has been spent working with the youth of the church. and Which we love, right? Yep. It's the best place to serve. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I always feel that way. I hope I can always be with the youth, that's for sure. But one of the things that I think about, and in fact, it's been great lessons for me to watch, is just being around those youth at any camp, you know, at any... <laughs> High adventure, right? Trek. Youth conference. Yeah, girls camp. Girls camp. And you could tell really fast who's been trained, right? And who's home. They've talked a lot about work and they've taught their children to work. And then, of course, you can tell also at the on the other end that who hasn't been, right? <laughs> who haven't. Yeah. So we were kind of reminiscing and, and thinking about those examples. And you have those kids, right, that immediately you get there and they're uh, coming up to you. What can we do? What can we do to help? What do you need? And they just jump right in. They're hauling stuff. They're helping set up. Yeah. Love those, yeah. love those kids. You can tell they have been well trained at home, right? Right. Even the ones who may not know what needs to be done, but if you just tell them, they'll they'll go and do it. I mean, yeah, that's they have ref- willing hearts, right? And yeah. They're, they're willing to jump into, yeah. But there's always a few, right? There's always <laughs> a few that uh, you could just tell that uh, they maybe haven't been taught. They just don't know, or they're not motivated, maybe, and uh, they seem to disappear a lot, yeah. and then. They disappear when the work comes out, but somehow mm. come back when the fun comes out, right? <laughs> or the when fu- the food appears. <laughs> Where the fun of the food come, there they are, right? Yeah. And so anyway, we've talked to our children about that. I mean, I know that whenever we've left, you know, that, to go on a camp, we've always kind of said, okay, guys, we, we expect that you're going to be the hardest workers at this camp, right? Or 
even in a more serious on a more serious level, we want you to be the hardest worker on your mission that no one should outwork you and probably part of that comes from our background, both of us you know Janie, you and i we we both grew up in homes where we were taught to work I mean that was part of the culture. You know, for both of us, I know that I still remember mowing the lawn with my brother when I was like six and he was four, and it took both of us to push the mower, you know, but that was, and then I remember as teenagers actually fighting over who got to mow the front because the front yard is what everyone saw. No one ever saw the back. The back was small. You'd think we would have been fighting over who got to, you know, mow the backyard, but we wanted to be in charge of mowing what everyone was going to see. And I know I grew up in a home, a big family. I was the oldest of eight. And so just to run a household with 10 people, we were constantly working just to get meals on the table, just to keep the house clean, the yard done, the garage clean. There was always projects going on. And so I was grateful that I learned that growing up, learning skills of homemaking skills, of organizational skills, cleaning skills, you know, all those things that now has blessed right. my life going forward. Well, yeah, and you've you've passed those those down. I hope we both have passed them down to our own children. In fact, I I enjoy watching our children and their work ethic now, and feeling like okay, some of this definitely paid off. I think a little too much. We have some kids that are workaholics, <laughs> like their dad, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, that may be another show, right? Another episode. You know, here's something from Elder Perry that I think frames up Elder L. Tom Perry that frames up very well. Probably what we believe, and that is that he said, I believe that second only to ensuring that every child receives an understanding of the gospel of our Lord and Savior is teaching them the joy of an honest labor. Or in other words, paring it really down to two major things, or major areas that parents could focus in. First, teaching the gospel in the home and having that gospel emphasis. But second, teaching our children how to work. Mm, I love that. You know, a strong part of our LDS theology is work. You know, work is often taught about in the scriptures. It's part of our church history. It's part of who we are. It's part of our identity to be a hardworking people. I'm thinking right now of Doctrine and Covenants section 68. And we often quote verse 25 where it talks about that parents have a responsibility to teach their children the doctrines of the kingdom, so to speak. And uh, also to be taught to pray and to walk uprightly before the Lord and keep the Sabbath day holy. But one of the things that we stop, we stop reading that verse often about right there in verse 30. But the next part it talks about are idlers. And Janie, you made a good point a little while ago that um, as we were talking before this program that the work ethic that we're trying to develop isn't just, you know, something among the youth, right? This is something that all of us, adults and youth and children, need to be right. aware of. And I think sometimes we even see leaders or adults that fall into some of the categories we just talked about, right? And something that I'm hearing lately is, you know, kind of the minimalist culture about, oh, let's do less. Or, But sometimes I, I, I tend to fear that a little bit because when people say less, that means they want to do nothing. And right. sometimes the, the less or the minimalist equals, no, we don't want to do anything. Right. And so we just need to be wary of that. Exactly. And so there's a warning, and I'm not sure it's it's only to children. I think it's to everyone in Doctrine and Covenant 68 to be aware of the idlers. In fact, it says in verse 31 of section 68, I, the Lord, am not well pleased with the inhabitants of Zion, for there are idlers among them, and their children are also growing up in wickedness. And uh, anyway, there's that, there's that idea that, okay, we, we can't be idle. We have to be 
working. We need to be productive. You know, one of the favorite books that we read as we were raising our children from years ago was Raising Up a Family to the Lord by Elder Gene R. Cook. And he said something that I've always remembered. He said, if children are raised with a poor attitude about work and do not learn to sustain themselves, they'll be weakened, dependent as adults. They may ultimately become a liability to society instead of making a real contribution. And so, of course, if we want our children to be contributors in our homes, if we want them to be contributors in their future homes, or to society, or to the church, or on their missions, or wherever they're going to be, leaders are people who work, and we want them to work. And uh, there are great blessings that come from work. In fact, I remember something that Elder Jeffrey R. Holland taught when he was President Holland at BYU years ago that I've thought about a lot. You know, we think of the word, he uses the word excellence. We can talk about, about it in a different context. We speak of excellence a great deal. And then he says this, by definition, excellence does not come easily or quickly. An excellent education does not. A successful mission does not. A strong, loving marriage does not. Rewarding personal relationships do not. It is simply a truism that nothing very valuable can come without significant sacrifice and effort and patience on our part. So sacrifice, effort, patience, it's all work. You know, sometimes when it comes to work, uh, many of us are prone to take that path of least resistance. But whatever our thing is, and I'm putting thing in quotes, whatever we're we're passionate about, it's going to take work to get to where we want to be, to be successful. Right. I know as we were raising our kids, right? And they, I think sometimes kids think of work as a four-letter word. They hear work and they run for the hills or they're like rolling their eyes or, you know, I think, you know, some of us still have that tendency. (laughs) Right. But we try to teach our children that without work, nothing good happens. Like anything that you want in life. If you love football, football (laughs) takes work. If you love dance and you want to be a, you know, a dancer, it takes a ton of work. If you want to be an incredible student, um... That takes a lot of work. You know, if you want to get to college, that takes work. So everything in life good takes a lot of effort and work. And I think when we change that perspective in our children and ourselves, that I think that does help. You know, it helps teach them that everything we do in life is going to take effort and work. You know, Janie, exactly. Uh, In fact, anything worthwhile, and that was the word Elder Holland used, anything worthwhile. And I think of you know, celestial or spiritual habits, prayer, scripture study, becoming converted to the gospel. I still remember a stake president in Texas years ago telling me that it was his belief that the reason why so many in the church, and he included adults, it wasn't just a youth, you know, issue, but that if there's no work ethic, it's going to be really hard to get converted to the gospel. It will be difficult to serve a mission. It will be difficult to fulfill callings. It will be difficult to do work in the temple, to build the Lord's kingdom here on the earth. All of that takes work and effort and sacrifice. That's for sure. As you think about it, work is part of our doctrine. It's part of our theology. I mean, the principle of work is what built our church into what it is today. One of my favorite stories is in 2 Nephi chapter 5, as we kind of talk about some of the doctrinal principles here just for a minute. In 2 Nephi chapter 5, this is where the Nephites break away from the Lamanites, and they start to build their own society. They start to build their own civilization. And if you look at verses 10 to 27, it is all about work. You know, the very first thing that they do is they issue a 
a decree to keep the commandments and how important that is, and that if we keep the commandments, that we'll be greatly blessed. Keeping the commandments takes work. And uh, under Nephi's direction, they build buildings, they build weapons, uh, they work with wood and iron and brass, they build a temple. It's one of the first things that they do. They become a very industrious people, and they're greatly blessed because of that. Because of their work ethic, these Nephites prospered, you know, spiritually and temporally, and likewise for our own youth. As they learn the value of work, they'll also prosper. Work helps us to prosper. It helps us to grow. helps us to develop. Elder L. Tom Perry expressed a concern this way. He said, Children need to be taught the joy of honest labor and experience the satisfaction which results from seeing a job well done. I'm shocked as I become aware that in so many homes, many of the children do not know how to make a bed or care for their clothing. Squeeze a tube of toothpaste to conserve, turn off lights, set a proper table, mow a lawn, or even care for a vegetable garden. Mm. These simple acts of cleanliness, order, and conservation will bless their lives every day they live and will prepare them to become self-sufficient when they reach an age when they must be out on their own. So true, right? So true. Uh, we, we're seeing, you know, young men and young women sometimes go into the mission field not knowing how to do some of those basic skills, yeah, right? They're going out so unprepared, emotionally, temporally, spiritually, everything, everything. Right, and of course, not all. I mean, many are many are well prepared, but there are some that just aren't quite ready for that. You know, years ago, Elder Neil A. Maxwell said that a few of our uh, wonderful youth and young adults in the church are unstretched. They almost have a free pass. Perks are provided, including cars complete with fuel and insurance, all paid for by parents who sometimes listen in vain for a few courteous and appreciative words. Yeah, that is a profound quote because, I mean, I think all of us as parents have felt that at some point, right? We do so much for our, te- our children, our teenagers, and hoping that they're going to say thank you, you know, and be appreciative. Right, exactly. Just, I'm sure there are many in that uh, in that circumstance. In fact, as a you know, marriage and family therapist slash mental health professional, as a bishop, I these are just things I see probably every day in some form. You know, in fact, I remember years ago in our Texas ward, I was the bishop there, and uh, I would often interview the youth, all of them, every May. I wanted them all to come in because I wanted to talk to them about what their summer was going to be like, what some of their goals were. And I wanted to know about their work schedule. Like, tell me where you're going to work this summer. I was really quite surprised often of how f- how many of our youth wouldn't be working at all. In fact, between their family vacations, EFY, sports camps, church camps, youth conference. And I get it. We get it. You know, between all of that, it was where do you fit work in, right? And, and I know that's a challenge for some. I know that was a challenge for us and, on some occasions. But I remember talking to one young man particularly, and I asked him, you know, about his where he would be working that summer, and he said, "Well, I don't work, and I won't be working because my parents feel that it's an inconvenience for them. Uh, he didn't have a car, and so they would have to drive him to work, and it just, in their minds, kind of messed their schedules up a little bit. And so I said, "Hey, that's okay. You can still do work around the house." And he said, "No, not really. In fact, he said when I when I mow the lawn, my parents don't think I do a great job, and so they just hire a lawn crew." So there he sat the entire summer with his, you know, his parents gone at work all day with him sitting home all day. And I know that wasn't a great experience. And just think of the opportunities that were missed by this young man sitting home all day, all summer, probably playing video games and doing other things, but not really learning how to develop a work ethic. And it's not just 
before, you know, it's not just before missions. Sometimes our youth come home from their missions and they still haven't quite caught on. You know, I was in my counseling practice recently talking to a father who was just so frustrated. His return missionary son was, he called it essentially retired. You know, he didn't, uh, but this son just didn't work. He wouldn't get a job. He would lay out by the pool every day, playing on his phone, talking to his girlfriend, sometimes talking late into the night. In fact, sometimes till three or four in the morning, she was in a different uh, location. And so they would talk on the phone and and then this young man would wake up at, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock the next afternoon and he started over again. <laughs> yeah, start, like a Groundhog Day, right? And that was his summer. I'm sure that young man would say that was a great summer, but the dad was just quite frustrated. And here he was paying for his son's housing and food and car insurance, kind of like Elder Maxwell was talking about. And we just, I see it all the time. I see it in our church settings. I see it in our in our private practice. And parents are frustrated, but yet at the same time, you know, there's parents need to need to crack down on that to some degree. Parents are allowing it to happen, and we've got to be careful of that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times it is a parenting problem, right? We hear right. so many people making excuses for their kids, why they can't work or don't work. Um, when we were raising our kids, one of our favorite parenting spe- um, gurus, gurus yeah. <laughs> was James Jones. We thought he was awesome, and we used a lot of his ideas and a lot of his teachings, but... He called it teenage retirement when our teenagers just quit working and we are doing everything for them, supporting them financially and everything. And so we really tried to not have our kids be on teenage retirement. <laughs> we kind of thought, hey, if we're not retired, you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. retired, right? We're working, you're working. Mm-hmm. So Right. Um, but some of the excuses that I know that I've heard, and I'm sure, Mark, you hear these more in your counseling practice, but... Um, parents that say, oh, no, they can't work because they need their sleep, you know. Right. Like, are you kidding? I had early morning <laughs> seminary my whole life and did drill team school. I always had a job, you know what I mean? I was probably existing on four and five hours of sleep, and these kids are getting eight to ten hours of sleep a day, and they need their sleep. <laughs> or, you know, they need downtime. You know, the school year is so hard for them. They need the summer off. Or, oh, they're so busy with their you know, whatever their sport or their music or their dances. So, you know, they just can't handle a job on top of it. Right. And you know what I think of, Janie, as you were saying that, is it was a reminder to me of that. I remember, you know, you talked about early morning seminary and we, we would go to school. We would often have jobs and do extracurricular activities. Our parents thought we were wimps. Remember that? They they were telling us stories of milking cows at five in the morning and all that other stuff. And, and we were the ones that were wimpy. And anyway, it just kind of goes through the cycle like that. So there's three excuses that we hear over and over from parents about why their kids can't work. (laughs) And Mm. the first one is that we hear parents say, oh, their job is to make good grades or focus on school. Which is great. We want them to focus on school. I mean, that is very important. Right. But if if your only job is to study and do homework, then you're certainly not making money. You're right. You're not. You're not contributing to hopefully one day the the expense of a car or college tuition or a mission or whatever. Learning how to budget. Learning how to do right financial things. But you're also not interacting with other people. You know, in a, in a job, you're not learning skills that that could be helpful. Maybe not. I know some of the skills I learned, like mowing ditches, I haven't used much in my life. But but it was a good workout, right? Um, but to to do physical work and to do mental work stretches us and it helps us to grow and I think it just helps us develop all around. 
And you know, one of the other thing that I think with people that say that their kids actually do have a lot of time on their hands. I know mm -hmm. those kids aren't coming home from school and studying for 10 hours every night. Those kids are coming home and they're sleeping, you know, they're talking to friends, they're socializing, they're going out. So they do have time. It's just what your priorities are. Right. And maybe there are some, maybe there are some that are studying until midnight every night and, 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 but maybe for the most part, not everyone's doing that. Another one, another common one that we do here, we've mentioned it a minute ago, but we'll just develop this a little bit more. It was just the idea that if our children do work, then we can't go on our vacation. We can't have everyone come. In fact, I literally remember sitting in the family room and having a, one of my good friends say, well, Dad, she probably can't come with us on our vacation because she's working, speaking of his sister. And the dad actually said this. I've never forgotten. He said, why does she want to work? We're rich. And uh, <laughs> anyway, but you know what? If, if you know, maybe there's balance there. Of course we want to go on vacations. I know for our family that was one of the most important things that we did as we got away with our family and had some great time together. But maybe there's a way to balance that. It doesn't have to be either or. Right. Just like everyone else, our children can take a week off of their work, right? Right. Um, number three, the, the last excuse that we hear all the time is that, oh, I work, or my kids can just work for me. Or I hear kids say that, oh, I work for my dad, which that's great <laughs> or in mom. some cases. Yeah. Or my mom, yeah, in some cases. But in a lot of cases, what we've seen is that means they really just go do what they want all summer and kind of pop in and do a few odd jobs here or there for their parents or whatever. And so we've always loved having our kids actually go out and get a job for somebody else because of the skills, the character attributes, all the things that they learn from working from some, for somebody else. We had a daughter once who worked for an employer and she committed to do a job on a Saturday outside of normal business hours and totally forgot about it. <laughs> Monday morning she showed up and she got fired. Yeah. And that was hard to watch her go through that. But on the other hand, what a good life lesson. We've had other kids get in trouble for being late or, you know, whatever on their job. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, you hate to see your kids getting in trouble or doing things wrong. But wow, the lessons that they come from an employer getting them in trouble and mm -hmm. learning that they have to be on time. They have to be responsible. They have to be committed in order to keep a job. Right. You don't learn that working for your parent because your parent will just be like, okay, you know, do better next time. Right. We've seen this over and over. I know when my first job happened and I was learning how to work the cash register, you know, deal with money, count money. I was 16 at the time working at a little corner boutique kind of pharmacy right. type place. And one day my cash drawer came up like $20 short. And mm. I had no idea what mistake I had made, <laughs> and they took that out of my hard-earned paycheck. And that was a reality check for me, that I needed mm. to be more careful. I need to be, you know, more diligent, because that was hard-worked hard, hard money for me. <laughs> sure, $30 back in those days, that would have been a week's worth of work, right? Exactly. So, yeah, and I remember working at a grocery store, and the boss we had was horrible. He was one of the, he was just a really rotten person to work for and treated us all terribly but you know what you learn lessons from working with people like that you know and <laughs> you learn what not to do right or what what to be well i always i like to say that i've probably learned more from bad bosses and bad leaders <laughs> than i've learned from good ones because you just True. if you're ever in those positions you just you want to do it differently and look at these great life lessons that they're learning that can't be learned any other way it can't be learned sitting home on a couch playing video games and you know, yeah. drinking root beer and right. watching netflix 
Well, and I, I, you know, on this idea of working for parents, I still remember driving my son home one time from from a job that he had, and as we drove home, he said, "Dad, if I." ran this company, here's what I would do. And he gave all these suggestions of how he would change everything. And I thought, how cool is that, that this 16-year-old boy is thinking uh, in terms of business and how he would run a business effectively? And he would not have learned that had he just been hanging out with us, you know. (laughs) Working for you. (laughs) Right, right. You know, in his famous talk, Good, Better, and Best, I remember something Elder Elder Oaks at the time said, but he said, some young people are amusing themselves to death. And then he said spiritual death. But yeah, we are. We spend a lot of time with our youth. And that, you know, our youth spend a lot of time uh, focused on amusement, if you wanted to say it that way, and leisure. And I just always think that how are we going to raise future parents, leaders, and overall just plain good citizens on just kind of a steady diet of amusement, right? Of fun, of entertainment. And I remember Janie, I don't know, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember coming home one day. I was the bishop at the time and I was a little bit frustrated with our youth and some of the problems they were having, but part of it was their their lack of work and their lack of helping and then some other problems. And I just said, knowing because I teach a class at BYU on the Living Prophets and knowing how hard they work and how how many of them grew up on farms and had experiences like that. And I just looked at you and I said, how in the world, you know, 50 or 100 years from now, are we going to have a quorum of 12 apostles? Where are we going to get 12 of the hardest working people on the earth 50 or 100 years from now? And, and I remember you said, well, we, we only need 12, you know, the idea that, okay, I'm sure <laughs> somewhere. That's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure somewhere out there we can find 12, right? But, but yeah, our youth need to be taught to work. They need to be responsible. There are great blessings. We've seen it in our life and the lives of our children from being willing to work hard. One of a, a good friend of mine, a mentor of sorts, was Rand Packer, who actually hired me in the church educational system many, many years ago. But Brother Packer was a mission president in the Missouri-St. Louis Mission, and I, I had a meeting with him once. We were just talking about his experiences there, and I asked him about hardworking missionaries, and he said something I've I've never forgotten. He said, I would kneel down in front of the transfer board and I would just pray and plead that the Lord would send me missionaries who knew how to work. And then he said this, and I thought this was really interesting. He said, I didn't even care if they had testimonies. He said, I'd rather have a missionary who knew how to work and didn't have a testimony. Because he said, if they didn't have a testimony, we could deal with that. I think he was saying as a mission president, we were equipped to deal with that one. But a missionary who didn't know how to work, there's, he, he said, as a mission president, I just didn't have time to go to spend individual time with young men teaching them how to work, right? Anyway, this is really interesting. This book by Gene Twinge on iGen, you know, the iPhone generation, we recommend that to all of you. It's so fascinating. She did so much research there. But I thought it was really cool that one of the things that she found is that the teenagers in our country that are the happiest are teenagers who participate in work, they're engaged in sports and exercise, and guess what? They go to church. Those are the happiest teenagers in our country. And the ones who are the most depressed are the ones who spend a lot of their time on social media, a lot of their time on the internet, a lot of their time on computer games. And not only do those youth on uh, you know self-report measures on these uh, surveys, not only do they report being depressed, but they report being unhappy. I mean, there's something about work that 
<laughs> brings <laughs> happiness. Self-worth, self-esteem. The kids that have skills and know how to accomplish things, I think that builds self-worth. Not how many likes you're getting on social media. <laughs> totally. In fact, um, not long ago, one of my classes, we told the story of Elder Christofferson. And Elder Christofferson grew up in Linden for a while. He grew up um, on a farm, and they raised sheep. And uh, one evening in, during a blizzard, uh, those, those, those ewe lambs, those ewe sheep, uh, birthed 13 baby lambs in one night during a blizzard. And Elder Christofferson's grandfather was there to help a little bit, and then his father was out of town. But his grandfather taught him how to save those sheep by rubbing them in gunny sacks and warming them up. And, and that process went on all night long. All night long, he worked with those sheep, trying to keep them alive. And his dad called later and asked Elder Christofferson as a young boy, how many sheep did we lose? And Elder Christofferson said, we didn't lose any. And then Elder Christofferson made this point. He said, you know, today, so many parents want to build the self-worth in their children by telling them how wonderful they are. He said, that doesn't do it. What does it is having our youth do hard things. And of course, that is embedded in work. You know, we really did work really hard to teach our children to work. And I always laugh and say, it takes a lot of work to teach your children to work. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I think we're going we're gonna to talk more about that in part two. Right. The hows of teaching your children to work. But... It's been really interesting to watch our own children teach their children to work. I love watching our son teach his sons to work. He's got four sons, and whatever project he is doing, he's got them right out there. I mean, these are little guys, and they're out sawing. They're probably <laughs> using tools they shouldn't be using at that age. But <laughs> they're they, chopping down trees they, with, they, yeah. They are right there. And our 11-year-old grandson, I mean, he probably knows how to do so much craftsmanship More than adults do. I mean, our son has him out there doing everything right alongside him and i love that i mean he's getting honey out of their beehives they're planting gardens together they're building chicken, chicken coops right they're remodeling the fireplace they're building shelves and and his boys are right there and i love that and they have self-worth and self-confidence right and maybe you notice that you know maybe you notice among our youth that those do have that confidence and that worth are also the youth who are the hardest workers. Yeah, I think so. And have learned skills. Um, so Elder J. Richard Clark years ago taught, work is honorable. It is a good therapy for most problems. It is the antidote for worry. It is the equalizer for deficiency of native endowment. Work makes it possible for the average to approach, ge approach genius. What we may lack in aptitude, we can make up for in performance. In the broader sense, work is the means to achieve happiness, prosperity, and salvation. Wow. Mm. Happiness, prosperity, and salvation. <laughs> when work and duty and joy are commingled, then man is at his best. What a powerful, powerful quote. <laughs> I love that quote. I've, had it, I've kept it for years, and uh, there's so many parts to it that have really affected my life in a personal way. I... You know, I don't mind. I don't mind confessing a couple of sins here to uh, anyone who's listening today. But I probably an understatement to say that I did not take high school super serious. In fact, I I did not do well in school, and I didn't try. I look back and I realize I really didn't try that hard. But I know my parents were quite frustrated by that. But I met with a high school counselor my senior year, and. And she told me that I probably should just join the Army or become a forest ranger or something, but not go to college because college would not be a good fit for me. <laughs> not your thing. Yeah, not my, not my thing at all. 
But for me, everything changed when I joined the church. I was 18 years old, and uh, you know, our church does have a great focal point on education and how important education is. And it probably took going on a mission and learning how to study, and those things were so helpful. But I did come home, graduated from BYU, ended up doing a master's degree in Two master's degrees. I was saying master's in educational psychology and then did a master's in mental health counseling. And then I I just knew that I wanted to do a doctorate degree. And that took some work and effort to even get into a doctoral program. But, And I will tell you, it's my confession again, that I probably was the weakest link in my doctoral program. I know that's embarrassing to say, but I, I was... I was not uh, lighting fires academically in that. I was, you know, I did fine, but, but it, was, it was a struggle. But I worked hard, and we were able to, to make it work. But I was really surprised. I remember meeting with my major professor uh, at the very end of my, my term there at Utah State University. And as he was signing off on uh, my doctoral dissertation, he said, I don't know if you know this, but of your cohort, your group that all came in here together, he said, you're the first one to finish. In fact, in fact, I don't think of, I can't think of anyone who will finish anytime soon within the next year, but you're done. And he said, how does that feel? And I said, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy when the weakest link in the program is the first one to finish. And, and he said, hey, there's a lesson here. And it was a lesson that I'll never forget. I still remember the spot I was on on his front lawn on Center Street in Logan, Utah, when he said, it's just a reminder that the prizes don't always go to the smartest or those who come from the best families or those who have the greatest advantages. He said, in life, the prizes go to those who work the hardest. And that's, that is a lesson that I never want to forget, and I hope we have passed it down to our children. We've talked about it before. But as we conclude today, a reminder that we are LDS. And that means let's do something. And so what we'd like to ask you about or have you considered today is have you had any thoughts, have you had any ideas come to your mind on what you could do better in your family in this area of work? Is there an area that you need to improve upon? Is there something that you feel prompted to do, to change, to become better at, to, to focus more with your children on something? And if so then we recommend that you do it. Let's do it. So let's do it. So next time we meet, what we're going to talk about is some of the hows of teaching your children to work. Until then, we'll see you next time. Have a wonderful week.